Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. If you are a mother or a father with kids, small kids, you know you understand that the winter is a tough time because they're all oh, inside the house instead of outdoors playing, mm-hmm. and that always causes trouble, and it makes me <laughs> extra stressed out because of that. You know, the same thing happens with your dogs. If they're inside, you know, during the summer, they're usually outside, but during the winter, they're inside, they're pent up. They have no outlet for their energy. Yes. Can cause all kinds of behavior problems, just like the kids. So there's a solution. It's called pet enrichment. That means giving them puzzles and toys and things to do to exercise them indoors. Dr. Elise Christensen will be joining us. She is the only board-certified veterinary behaviorist in Colorado. I will, I'm actually going to look it up because that's a, quite a claim to fame there to be the only board-certified veterinary behaviorist in Colorado. I'm going to, in fact, during this uh, upcoming commercial break, I'm going to verify that fact. Okay. Go onto the database and find that out because that seems like a, a stretch there. But anyway, she's going to be joining us, and she's going to tell us what we can do for our pets enrichment during the winter season. And uh, we're also going to do a quick check of the news in about 10 minutes. Lori, what are you working on? Can I tell you about the um, upcoming trends in the pet care industry that um, that we can keep an eye on and, and what's making big news and headway now that's going to grow and grow and grow into 2018 and also the most popular cat names, male and female cat names for America and the UK. We'll have them coming up. Let's go to the phones. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405, and we go to Marina. Is it Marina or Marina? Marina. Marina. How are you doing today? Fine, dear. Thank you. I got the whole team here for you. What's going on with your animals? Uh, That animal is, it was a rescue animal. So from being mistreated, whatever, and neglected, all of a sudden he's in a home and he's really happy when people get home, especially when people get home, and his tail goes 100 miles an hour. (laughs) When he does, he beats on the walls, beats on the furniture, but the walls, literally his tail is bleeding. His tip of his tail is raw. We cannot get it to heal. and. We don't know how to help him out. So let me let me get this straight here, so that I understand. You have a dog. What kind of dog mm-hmm. is it? Uh, it's a yellow lab. A yellow lab who's so excited to see you. The tail goes back and forth, and the tail gets hit against the wall and against furniture, and it gets bloody. It's uh, it's literally the tip of the tail that he hits. It's rubbed raw so bad that it's bleeding. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I actually see quite a bit of this and we kind of call it the general term happy tail <laughs> because oh, it is no truly kidding. in dogs that are exuberant about their tail wagging. And it's usually when, um, you know, they're excited about something. So yeah, they're generally right. happy, upbeat dogs, sometimes a little bit more over the top than maybe the average dog. And that's part of, um, part of the challenge is to mm-hmm. ask a dog to not wag the tail is a hard thing. So how do we go about dealing with this. So with a dog that has happy tail, um, there's a couple things. One is that um, the tail tip, unless it's protected, is going to be prone to keep getting injured bloodied, scabbed open, the hair doesn't grow in the area. Some dogs will actually start to chew the tail because it you know, has all this inflammation in it. 
Um, so the big thing is um, really trying to find what works to keep the tail protected. And there's not a, not a lot of perfect remedies for that, but there are definitely some different ones that as a veterinarian I know I've used and some of my you know fellow vets have done as well. And there's different types mm-hmm. of bandages that we can put on to, that are a little mm-hmm. bit more ad- adhesive. Um, because mm-hmm. the tail, um, anything you put on the tail, kind of they whack it right off. So um, there are certain types of medical tape that we will use in the veterinary office to help bandage the tail. The other thing I like to do is um, we put actually a kind of a small syringe case. So it's like what the... Um, syringes that we use come in and they're like a little plastic kind of almost like a cylinder so with many dogs I will use that as part of my bandaging technique Um, so this is not something I'd advise you to do I would see the veterinarian for this because um, you can put a bandage on too tight and cut off blood flow to the tail and then you have a real problem on your hands so I would see your veterinarian for this but it is definitely something that is frustrating it does need repeated bandages um, and protection now the other thing that's really important to look at is uh, behavior. So we don't, we're not going to ask your dog to not be happy, but we're going to maybe work on things that help to um, assert some order into the home. So when you come home, rather than everybody amping him up and him wagging and getting all excited, we're going to find ways that we can actually have him practice calm behaviors. So this will take a little bit of leash work, a little bit of positive reinforcement, meaning good treats and tasty items, and everyone in the home being on the same page so that when you come and go, we're not going to get him excited and we're going to ask him to do something whether it's lay down go to a pillow um, sit something that is going to become a replacement behavior rather than walking around wagging and having everyone get them all amped up Um, working on practicing that kind of obedience in the face of it excitement is really where we need to go to help try to prevent some of the reoccurrences that go on and you know when he's excited making sure you are allowing exercise in a big open environment outdoors where he can run jump play burn off that energy wag that tail all he wants and uh, not be at risk for painting your walls and making it look kind of helter skelter like in there (laughs) well yeah the, the problem is right i mean the wall would you just wipe it clean and that's fine we just know it's a habit so we go right behind him and do it every day but it's just we don't want to keep that open you know so we try the electrical tape because it doesn't stick to him that hard or anything and it will eventually come off and lucky he doesn't chew on it he tries to chase it you know he's Mm. just chasing his tail going around this way and to the left and around to the right and all is good and we got him a pillow so we're a little bit on the right track we got him a special pillow to try okay, to good. get him to, uh, you know, if you are on the pillow, you're also going to get a treat when we come in. So wow. maybe good. instead of wagging, he goes that way. And he seems to like the pillow. And then we got him a, a very expensive, a dog, a, a dog kennel outside that maybe mm-hmm. he sees him and he will not whack the kennel as much. Sure. Um, with a nice dog house and a new dog house and all. They're trying everything to try to get this poor tail to heal. Yeah. Now, in the, in, I would, again, I'm going to stress that it's important to see a veterinarian because I have had dogs where that tip of the tail gets so irritated that, you know, if we're not providing pain relief, then that's also another source of irritation where they'll, you know, lick it or it'll drive them to be more, uh, have more issues with that. So sometimes we'll have to put okay. pets on pain yeah. medications. Um, okay. The other thing, you know, a lot of people, you know, will look at putting Elizabethan collars on and, you know, it's not the long-term fix, but if we're really in a bad way where the tip of the tail is in a 
bad spot. Um, sometimes putting the cone of shame on can be a helpful thing as well. But, you know, yeah. I've seen this quite a bit. In, we see it a lot in our boarding patients, um, especially mm-hmm. a pit bulls are particularly one of the most common breeds. Labradors, I'd say, are right up there with them. But I've had some dogs, we actually have to amputate the tail because the trauma and then the self-trauma that can ensue where they start to chew their tail becomes um, an yeah. almost an obsessive compulsive thing. So yeah. it is important to try to get a control on it and not um, and you know, dabble really around. Get it before it gets to the chewing because right now he's not chewing it at all. Not even mm-hmm. the tape he's chewing. It's just from whacking it, eventually the tape just comes off. Yeah. Okay, so my first step is go ahead and do make that bad appointment and talk to yeah. him. Absolutely, and, and, go for, and go from there, and then continue possibly with the pillow and the rewards and all that. The maybe exactly. when he just come, he goes lay down and wait for the reward. Okay. Yes. yes. Awesome. Well, thank okay. you so much. And let thank us know. You. Will you call us back and let us know how it's working out for you? Yes, I give it a couple of weeks and call you back. Thank you okay. so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Marina calling from Los Angeles, and her problem: her dog is too happy. <laughs> This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Channel Cable, we were talking about common dog behavioral problems like barking, chewing, digging, and separation anxiety. Today we're going to talk about begging. It's a bad habit, but most of the time it's caused by the dog owner. A few years ago, a friend invited me over to his house for Super Bowl, told me I could bring my dog. I told my dog to go down, stay in the corner, and watched his dogs running lunatic all over the house. One jumped on the table and grabbed the ham right off, ran away with it. There's two of them, and he's got no control over either. They've got the run of the house, and they're ever everywhere. He comes over to me. He goes, I don't get it. How do you get your dog to stay like that? I said, I'll tell you what, what's your biggest problem? What do you wish you could stop right now? He says, begging. I want my dogs to stop begging from the table. And as he's telling me this, he's feeding the dog from the table as he's talking to me. He's giving him pieces of turkey while he's talking to me. I don't think he even realizes it. So I pointed it out. I said, look what you're doing right now. You can't feed a dog from the table and then expect him not to beg. You know, it's got to be one way or the other way. Either he never gets food from the table, people food, or he does. It's that simple. And if he does, he's going to beg. Giving in just once causes a huge problem. In the dog world, a subordinate would never beg from the lead dog. When you teach your dog that begging's okay, you jeopardize your role as pack leader. Before you sit down to eat, tell your dog to stay. Create a spot where you want your dog to be. Maybe it's a rug in the kitchen and before you sit down to eat, tell him to stay. Tell him to go to his rug. You want to teach your dog not to stare at you and that begging is useless. That it's not permitted. If he is staring, put him in another room. If he behaves himself, you give him a treat, but only after you and the rest of your family are done eating. Over time, you'll be able to teach your dog that you are in charge and that begging from anyone in the pack or from any human period is just not permitted and that it's useless. Another good thing to do is always eat before you feed your dog. Then after you're done and you decide to feed him, make him work for the food. Have him sit and stay for 30, 40 seconds before you tell him to have at it. Well, good luck. We're all in this together. Hey, everybody. This is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you right now want to take weight. 
Give me the line again. My brain skipped. <laughs> Brett Michaels. I just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, Go don't ahead. do that. Say don't that do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels Animal Radio. You got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio. And take care of your pets. They will rock your world. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. This is Jerry Seinfeld saying happy holiday, happy new year, happy you, and see you next year. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Well, happy New Year's Eve Eve from all of us here at Animal Radio and to a stupendous 2018. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Dr. Elise Christensen. She is the only board-certified veterinary behaviorist in Colorado. Really? Yes. There's not that many of them, huh? I had to look this up. I had to make sure that that was true. Did you Google it? I I did more than Google it. I looked up uh, the database for veterinary certified animal behaviorists. You went to the source, huh? I did go to the source. She's going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes here. Uh, she feels that it's really important that you provide enrichment for your animals during the winter. She sees a lot of behavior problems in the winter because oh. the animals are all bored. Bored, exactly. Kind of yeah. like kids. You know, you coop up your children and, you know, they can't go out and play and do things in the yard during the, the winter. So, yeah, they get stir crazy. She'll have some ideas for us on how to keep our pets and our husbands and wives entertained <laughs> for the winter. Uh, that's just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Also, as a little surprise to all of you, uh, we're going to do an outtake segment coming up in just a few minutes. It's the end of the year. Uh-oh. So we want to have all of the outtakes from Animal Radio uh, from 2017. That'll be coming up in just a few minutes here. Of course, I didn't get permission from any of you. You're all no. open. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our mouths are all open. <laughs> <laughs> My jaw is dropping. I'm worried. I'm really worried. Lori, over in the newsroom, who's never made a mistake ever, uh, what do you have for this hour? Oh, my gosh. Um, I have more mistakes, of course, courtesy of myself for you know the special day today. But uh, Sir Paul McCartney is revealing there indeed is a Beatles song that there's a part of it that only dogs can hear. Really? I'll tell you which one. And how, yeah, and how they did it, too. Really? Huh. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. Go get the dogs. Bring them in. Let's, we're yeah. going to find out. Uh, that's in just a few minutes. Let's go to line three for Dr. Debbie. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, Vetra Science has the supplement for all of your pets' needs. Thanks, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. And right now, Chris is center stage. Hey, Chris, how are you? Um, well, yeah, I just had a question about my um, African gray. Um, he's about uh, four months old, and I can't get him to eat anything besides the, the pellets and the seeds. What, what are some things I can do to get him more interested in, like, say, fruits and vegetables? 
Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, African Grey, for anyone who's not really familiar, they're a wonderful parrot, um, great talkers. And you said he's four months old? Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, wonderful. Um, so, yeah, for diet, um, pellets are a ma- good mainstay of the diet. As far as fresh foods, um, we can definitely vegetables, fruits, um, all those good things, noodles, beans, rice, all that. The big thing that I like to do with um, the fresh foods, if they're not really um, interested in right off the bat, is to make it really a social uh, experience. So often birds, they really enjoy eating what we're eating. So um, it's actually something where I will share off my plate and share to the bird. So if they see you eating it, it kind of becomes a fun thing. So um, not everything he's going to like, um, but if you experiment and try it in a social setting, you may find that you have better luck than actually putting that in a cup feeder inside his enclosure. And uh okay. Use that as actually a reward. So, you know, if he's, if you're practicing things as far as with him perching or coming to you, use these items, these food items as a reward. And then it'll also become kind of a, a, pos- a, a double positive because it's a treat and, you know, he's getting to spend time with you or getting, getting ear scratches or what have you. So yeah, I, I would really um, pose that as a, a social training step for him. Okay. Uh, Ryan, what are some things I can do to help stimulate him learning how to talk? biggest thing is to talk to him. Uh, we want to spend a lot of time talking to this fella, and uh, even hearing different sounds and different voices are somewhat helpful. Uh, I find a lot of birds um, respond differently to either male voices, female voices, um, or different sounds. Um, so really, you cannot uh, talk to this fella enough. <laughs> Does he travel and with you? Does he travel with you? It sounds like you're a trucker. Well, yeah, I'm a truck driver, but uh, no, he stays at home with my uh, daughter and my wife. And yeah, I think I think he's more stimulated by the females. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, we we'd say something about that about with a lot of other guys. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. won't say that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But I, I definitely appreciate your help, and I'll definitely try. I never thought about like trying to make it a social thing for him eating, like giving it to him off my plate or something like that, but definitely try it because I I've heard that they need they need like this fruits i can't just eat the seeds and stuff like that alone oh yeah and definitely this is the one situation where we say it's okay to feed from your plate where we don't say that with dogs and cats so thanks a bunch for the call chris it's great to get some good bird questions around here so bring them on this is dr debbie at animal radio 1-866-405-8405 this portion of animal radio is underwritten by vetra science Just like their owners, you know, our pets get older, their joints stiffen up, and jumping for joy suddenly becomes quite difficult. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help to support joint health in your pet. We thank VetraScience for underwriting Animal Radio. And if you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's they're like uh, manuals, guides. You should have their owner's manuals for these dogs, is what they are. <laughs> she has a book called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend for Each One of These Breeds, and they're over at Kindle. And uh, we have links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Oh, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets, or we're going to be eaten alive! Oh. 
Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks, and happy New Year's Eve Eve to you as we look ahead to the new year. In this new report called Pet Food in the U.S., researchers at Packaged Facts say most of the growth in the pet food segment of the $67 billion a year pet care industry is going on in uh, within the giants of Amazon.com and Chewy.com. And that probably doesn't surprise you, right? But there are some other trends also that they expect to influence the American pet food industry in 2018, like home-delivered pet food, which, did you know this, has already increased to nearly one-fifth of all pet owners. Wow. 20%. Holy moly, that is amazing. Yeah. Another trend is pet parents who are searching for foods with preventative benefits, such as those that include what they call nutraceutical ingredients like probiotics, omega fatty acids, glucosamine, which you give for joints, and also fruits and vegetables. Uh, Do-it-yourself pet food is also a growing trend. Pet parents often supplement their pet's meals with additional homemade side dishes like grilled meat or home-cooked pumpkin and so on, and then other pets pursue a more kind of semi-homemade approach by enhancing the pet's meal with things like mix-ins, toppers, sauces, and did you know they even have spray-on nutrients now? Couldn't hurt. (laughs) Well, Sir Paul McCartney is confirming one of the all-time best Beatles songs being A Day in the Life has uh, uh, indeed a special sound included on the track that only your dog can hear. It's been a long, long, long time rumor that dogs knew something about the song that humans did not. And McCartney has finally let the truth be known, saying in a recent interview that the Beatles did indeed put a sound that only dogs can hear on the song. In fact, he says, go ahead. If you ever play the Sgt. Pepper soundtrack, or the CD, or if you have vinyl still, just watch your dog when the song A Day in the Life comes on. It turns out the Beatles literally used a dog whistle during the recording of the song, and so thus was born a Beatles song just for dogs. The oh. whistle, by the way, has a frequency of 15 kilohertz, and that is so high that it goes undetected by human ears. Yeah, yeah. Do you the think this man. is a promotional, yeah. some kind no. of stuff? Yeah, sell records again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you even think back then with the technology they had recording that that they were even able to do that yeah you see he brings up a really good point here first of all if you were to download the mp3 right now and play it for your dog it won't matter because that frequency won't present on an mp3 it's really simply, yeah right. it simply is it would, but it would on an album on a vinyl album it probably would it would it, be it, able to do that on a, on a vinyl album back then here's the challenge to the listeners <laughs> i'm sure there's some geeky guy out there that knows the answer or will find out for us well you know it's also that that during that kind of day back then they were doing mixing and recording on reel to reel machines yep. um so that was 
As Joey says, uh, a long time ago. Who has cats? We know it's Hal. Hal. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. Cat guy. <laughs> really? <laughs> we have cats. And, um, well, the most popular cat names in the U.S. for this year. Does anyone want to take a guess before you list off the names? Yeah, you should because they're not the same as the dog names. Now, not even close. I'm guessing Tiggers is somewhere up on the, on the list there, at least with the top ten would be my guess. What you about know, you? I thought... Yeah, that it that Tigger would be on there too, but the name Tiger is on there oh. Oh, instead of Tigger. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. What what else? All right, Joey. What were you thinking? Yeah, Joey. What what would you guess is a top cat name? <sighs> Smokey. Smokey. You know, I have a lot of clients yes. that, that their cat's name is Kitty. 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 Kitty and Smokey. Kitty. Are yeah. Kitty and Smokey on the list anywhere there? Uh, no. Not on the list. Four guesses, you guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. You got to get out there and hang with more cats. Um, first off, the male cat names in the U.S., the most popular, starting at number five is Bear. Bear. In, My brother uh, has, a dog, has a cat named Bear. Really? Yeah. Oh. Really? Okay. Yeah. A lot, a lot of dogs are named Bear, too. No, his cat uh, is. On the cat list, in fourth place is Oreo. Number three is Tiger. The second most popular male cat name in America is Milo. And the most popular is, drumroll, Simba. Simba. Wow. I actually know one of each of the ones that you mentioned, except the Simba. Yeah, me too. Don't know any Simba. Hmm. And that's the number one. Wow. Yep. Now, that's for male cats. For females, number five is Daisy. Moving up the list to Abby is number four. In third place is Luna, the most popular name for American, uh, second most popular name for American female cats is Bella, which is always on the dog list. Yeah. And the most popular name for a female cat for 2017 is Nala. Nala. Where where did this list come from? Do you know which insurance company? This is all stupid names. (laughs) No, this was not. I went through a bunch of different lists and I thought this was probably the best one. This comes from the website findcatnames.com. Findcatnames.com. And so cat people go through the website and there's just, you know, thousands of names and they can store, you know, put a heart on your, your favorite name and it stores it so that you don't forget them. So they went back through all of their favorite names. Ta-da. That was the list. But I do have a little twist on a list here for you, a few different ones, from the most popular cat names in the UK. And for them, uh, males, one to five in order. Number one is Charlie, talking about cats here, followed by Oscar at number two, then Alfie, Max, and Milo again, shows up in fifth place. Uh, Female cat names most popular in the UK are Poppy, Bella, Molly, Tilly, and Daisy. Hmm. Hmm. They're very different from ours. Yes, they they are. are. Now, coming up next hour, we will have the top male and female dog names for 2017. I can't wait. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. I have a question for you, Dr. Debbie. Uh Uh-huh. Parker had his face done. We talked about it a couple of months ago, and the scab just fell off. And we what do you mean he had his it... face done? <laughs> like a face? You can tell I'm from California, can't you? No, he had um, for the last couple of years. I, I think it was some kind of staph infection, um, and so they had to go in and take out the scar tissue and stuff. And so it has finally healed after all okay. these, you know days of putting all this medication on it, ointment and sprays and stuff. And 
we just yesterday realized that the scab had fallen off, and we see that there are, are three sutures under there on his cheek below his eye that the vet had never said, come back and have these taken out. And we didn't know they were there. So now, all of a sudden, these sutures have been in there for six weeks. Is that bad? Well, you know, there's sometimes when there's skin sutures that um, if they're not removed, it, it usually isn't a problem if you come back later and remove them. It just depends on what they're made of. Now, there are other situations where absorbable sutures from underneath might kind of work their way up and kind of pop through the skin surface, which, you know, certainly could be the situation. Um, but, you know, I would certainly ask your vet, hey, what the heck? You know, did you not tell me I had to come back for a suture <laughs> removal? But otherwise, the, the other scenario does commonly happen because um, suture material is a foreign substance. And some pets, their body just kind of formulates an immune response and kicks it out. And you'll see the little knots come to the surface. And then, of course, we have angry pet owners coming and saying, why didn't you take these sutures out? And, you know, it's, it's just the body responding to that. Well, I love my vet, but I mean, I, I had no clue. I mean, it was a pretty crusty scab once it healed. So, um, I, and you know, I'm a nurse on the side when I, I'm not doing this. And so I tried to take them out, but he let me know he was very displeased with my suture removal technique. <laughs> Didn't like it. <laughs> not at all. Uh, okay. Well, since we're on the subject, I, I have a question for Dr. Debbie, too. You know, both okay. of you should have called the toll free line <laughs> or used the animal radio app to ask Use the app. Okay, well, Ladybug, she's seven years old. She was spayed at about eight months old as a puppy, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but lately, after she urinates, she'll climb up on the bed, and she'll leave a big wet spot. I mean, it's the size of my fist. You know, it's like she drips or leaks. Is that a new thing? Yes, it is new. She never did that before. Yeah, well, we might need to get personal with her and check out her girl stuff back there <laughs> because um, there can be changes in the skin around the vaginal area that can cause some folding over the vaginal area. So you can get a little bit of some um, urine buildup there or even some pockets that will form. So mm. that's certainly a possibility. But, um, you know, unfortunately, this is when, you know, we have to pull out a glove and do a little bit of an examination on that little gal. And mm. um, don't worry, I have little finger so we can check that out <laughs> but just just make sure you don't tell her about it in advance because women we just we just get all worked up about these yeah. kind of things that would just surprise her could it also be have anything to do with incontinence do animals get incontinent as they get older in their senior years and she is you said seven which seven. does make her a senior it certainly can um if it's it's a little different if she's you're finding spots of urine um, around the house, outside of the time of her urination. So it, it certainly could be, and, and definitely in female dogs, there are some uh, common situations where we'll see them have continence issues, where the tone of the bladder just starts to get a little flabby and it doesn't uh, close off that sphincter as well as it used to. So they will leak when they're lying down or if they're standing up and getting up. Fortunately, there are some medications that are appropriate. There's estrogen-based medications and then some uh, medicines to help stimulate that muscle contraction. So there's definitely good options if that's what we're looking at. <laughs> 
Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. I did not realize your dog was such a good dancer. You, Both of you dancing. She reacts to me. If I jump around, then she jumps around to my feet. She gets excited if I get excited. She doesn't have to understand why. You know, it's good that she's getting this exercise because I know during the summer, of course, you would take her out all the time. But the weather's not so permissible now, especially on the East Coast. So what do you do with your animals during the winter to keep them excited? They go bonkers. It's like cabin fever. We have Dr. Elise Christensen joining us. She is a board-certified veterinary behaviorist, and she happens to be the only board-certified veterinary behaviorist in Colorado. I had to look this up. (laughs) Doctor, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, I'm actually the only board-certified veterinary behaviorist in New York City, too. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. We were just talking about the enrichment during the winter. Why is enrichment so important in the first place? Well, that's a great question. Enrichment is really important because when we look at our domestic animals that live in our homes, the reality of it is, is that even though they may have been domesticated for thousands of years, they still have very basic needs that many of us don't actually meet on a regular day. And we we kind of assume that because our life is busy and we are doing many things that we choose to do, that our animals are also being mentally challenged and getting to choose to participate in specific activities. But the reality of it is, is that patients and animals that feel like there isn't that much to do may either start doing a lot of stuff that you don't want them to do because it's interesting for them, or they may actually kind of shut down and do nothing. Does this mean that you see more behavior problems in the winter time because people are less likely to uh, get out with their animals and enrich their animals? That's a great question. You know, the difference here would be unruly behaviors versus true behavioral disorders. So unruly behaviors are normal behaviors that are species-specific that people don't like. So, for instance, jumping up on people to lick their faces is a very normal behavior of dogs that is part of their suite of behaviors that comes with them genetically. And one of the things that we alternately punish and alternately reinforce, sometimes within five seconds, right? So (laughs) that is a behavior. Those types of behaviors are ones that are particularly vulnerable to getting worse when enrichment is low because all these normal behaviors have nowhere to go. So the dog's And cats find new places to utilize these behaviors, and usually they're things that people don't like. So when people are not actively getting their animals out to explore the world or providing enrichment and play opportunities that are variable, you can definitely see these unruly behaviors escalate. So to enrich my pet's life, does that mean I need to go out and buy toys and puzzles to help them? Great question. You know, you can go out and buy toys and puzzles, and I would encourage you to have a blast. But the great thing is, is that there are so many ways you can enrich your animal's life, even things as simple, although some people might find this a little gross, as picking up something off the street that's new and interesting and bringing in and allowing your animal to sniff it. Um, Especially for dogs, they're very old 
olfactory and nature, that's their major sense. The way they see the world is through their nose. So if you bring in some things that are new and interesting to them, you've just opened up a book for them, literally, or maybe like, you know, giving them an opportunity to binge on a TV show, but it's just scent. Um, so you can also take things like toilet paper rolls and paper towel rolls, the, the cardboard part or fresh direct boxes or Amazon boxes. Of course, if you have a patient that might swallow cardboard, you wouldn't do that, <laughs> but <laughs> except when supervised, but ripping and getting into it and solving a puzzle can be a really great way to enrich these guys. And it's free. What about uh, some outdoor winter enrichment activities? Sure. Oh, well, you know, if it happens to be snowing, um, or if it has snowed, that's a great way to do enrichment because all you need to do then is sprinkle some of their kibbles around in the snow and let them go look for it. <laughs> so that's a fun one. Um, you could even feed their whole meal that way. And that is really the true enrichment because dogs would normally be searching for their food and spend a fair amount of time per day. So anything you can do to help them be spending more time with their food acquisition, sort of looking for it, uh, sort of like you might walk an extra 15 minutes for the best bakery versus just going around the corner for a crappy one. <laughs> so you're, you're the expert. What do you do with your own dogs? <laughs> well, unfortunately for me, my, my senior citizen was just euthanized a couple of months ago. Aww. But um, enrichment for her, because she was a small elderly dog with cognitive dysfunction, it's actually very, very gentle. So what we want to do in the case of these older kids, and by kids, I mean dogs or cats, is we provide them enrichment at the level that they're able to do it. So for instance, if you were an older person and when you were, uh, I'm just making this up now, so don't get offended, but like 73, used to love doing the New York Times crossword puzzle, but now maybe you're 89 and it's just a little too much, right? Like, uh -huh. So maybe we backtrack to something a little bit easier where the reinforcement rate is higher. So you really can answer those word puzzles very quickly. Same thing with dogs and cats. When, you know, when we have older patients, we may give them something like a snuffle mat, which is a very soft kind of rug that's specifically made for animals to do foraging behavior. But what you do is you sprinkle the kibbles or whatever treats you might be using in there and you ruffle it up so that they fall down into between the pile of the fabric pieces. And then they nose around just like they would if they were, say, a dog visiting a garbage dump, which is where dogs mostly hang out if they're lucky enough to be close to some high intensity resource like that maybe shuffling around in there all day so now we emulate that essentially by providing a snuffle mat because nobody wants a garbage dump in their house sadly oh, these are fabulous ideas and for those of you that are just sitting down right now and you're looking over there and your dog's sitting in the corner wanting to do something go out and enrich their lives and there's some more great tips for enriching your pet's life over at fearfreepets.com that's fearfreepets.com or fearfreehappyhomes.com and, of course, you can learn more about everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Dr. Elise Christensen, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. 
Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, in about an hour, I'm going to go take the dog for a walk, and uh, something I enjoy doing every day, because I get the exercise. Not only does the dog get it, but I get a little bit of exercise in there. It makes me feel better. But I'm always freaked out when I see these dogs that are not on leash. They come running towards... Oh, your heart just drops. Yeah, oh, that's I, my nightmare. It is yes. a nightmare. And we've all probably had to deal with that once or twice. And uh, this hour, we're going to find out what to do in that particular situation. Because apparently, apparently, there's a list of things that you should do if you encounter a dog running loose when you're with your dog. What are they? I need to know. I can't tell you. Okay. But uh, Stephanie Coleman, she will tell you. And she is the manager of the puppy department at the guide dogs of america the puppy department do we have a puppy department here we need one yeah we need a puppy department <laughs> i'll be now. i'll manage it <laughs> so that's on the way in just a few minutes right here on animal radio Lori, what are you working on for the news this hour well coming up we're going to talk about um the top dog names male female dogs got both categories going there and also some of the the trendier names that are on the list for the most popular dog names for 2017 okay that's on the way dr debbie you want to take a couple of calls yeah let's go to it one 405 8405 to talk to dr debbie this portion of animal radio is underwritten by vetra science give your pets the extra support they need from glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress vetra science has the supplement for all of your pets needs Jeff, hey Jeff, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you all today? Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, right now, I'm calling from my big truck rolling down the highway. <laughs> Your big truck rolling I'm down. A, oh. uh, yeah, I'm a truck driver. I'm in South Texas right now, rolling down the highway. Okay. Do you travel with your pet? Uh, yeah, I've got a two-year-old Ori Pay, and she is prone for some reason to ear infections. We put, it seems like every month she ends up with an ear infection. We mm-hmm. put her on antibiotics uh, from our local vet and eardrops in her ears. We, we don't get water in her, her ears. We don't let her swim. When we give her a bath, we put cotton in them uh, to keep the water out, but just seems like we can't get rid of them completely. And it goes from one ear to the other. It, sometimes okay. she gets them in both ears. Sometimes it'll just be the right one. Sometimes it'll just be the left one. But for the last year, we've been fighting these ear infections. And me and my wife was just wanting to know if uh, Dr. Debbie had any qu- any answers for us as to what we could do. What do you think, Doc? Oh, there's definitely some suggestions. And it, But first I want to go back. I didn't quite hear. What breed is she? She's an Ori Pay. Uh, is that related to a Sharpay? Yeah, she's, I, she's an actual registered breed. She's half pug, wow. half sharp. Never heard okay, of that. Okay, yeah. I, I had to get back in a little explanation on that one. Okay, so she's definitely coming from two breed backgrounds where ear infections are not uncommon. And uh, definitely, especially on the sharp hay, we have some special problems with their ear anatomy that make it even trickier to deal with. So uh, chronic ear infections, the ones that come back, the first thing that I like to do is back up and say, okay, have we really looked at all of the things that we think could be causing this? And if you've already looked at things like the swimming potential, things like that, 
that's great. But there are some other things that can relate to um, to ear infections. And the first one that always pops in my head is food allergies or seasonal allergies. Those things can actually influence and cause the potential for ear infections in a lot of dogs. So it may seem like the ear infection is the real problem, but there's an underlying allergy. So I wouldn't hesitate to get your baby on a special hypoallergenic food. And especially if I see ear infections recurrent in a young dog, I really look at food allergy. I take that possibility very seriously. Um, so there are special allergy. diets. I'm sorry? Okay, because we feeders, we feeders science diet and have mm-hmm. since day one. Yeah, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but if we're investigating the possibility of a food allergy, hard to test for, and what we actually do is called a food trial. So we put her on a special food, hypoallergenic, and we do that for six to eight weeks, and we look to see if some of the other signs that are going on in their body, if those are improving. If it's limited to ear infections, that's what we watch. If she's having ear and skin problems, we watch that. If there's diarrhea, other problems, we watch that as long, uh, along with the ears. But that would be something I would really look at for her. Now, the other thing is that um, as far as I'm all about combined approaches for ear infections, so I like topicals. I don't think you can get away from that, but I do like to address things from other directions. And for if we have yeast infections, I put them on pill form of yeast infections so that we can complement an ointment or a drop that we're putting in the ear. And I find that sometimes if we just do drops, we're just really coming one one approach at it, and it really um, isn't always effective for these chronic ears. Um, but I think the allergy part is going to be a huge thing that I'd really, really look at for her. Um, and then I did mention something about Sharpays, and it's hard because I can't see your baby's ear, but Sharpays kind of have those kind of squishy little yeah. ears, and they're... Their ear canals can be just genetically very narrow, and that can it pose is. some real. Okay, That's what so I was she... Say she has very narrow ear channels. Okay, so for a lot of breeds that have that, one thing that I like to do is actually a surgery. It's a surgery called a lateral ear resection, and it we basically heard of that. what we. Yeah, what we do is we actually remove part of the outer part of the ear canal, and it gives you, as the pet owner, an easier way to medicate the deeper part of the ear. And it actually is a wonderful step for pets that have um, chronic ear infections. I like to investigate the allergy part first, because no matter what you do, um, if there's an allergy, the surgery is only going to be partially of benefit. So um, that would probably be something secondary down the road that I would look at. Okay, I have one question. We heard of that surgery, but we mm-hmm. heard that it was very uh, gross when they cut that part of the ear out and that it was very hard on the dog and it was it just really looked nasty when they okay. done that surgery. I mean, you know, you don't it's hard for me to explain, but uh, Sure, sure. And as far it as does the take... food allergy, I I'll be honest, I I spoil her freaking rotten. I let her eat <laughs> I'm eating it, she's eating it. I don't care if it's ice cream, it don't matter. So I should stop probably doing that, huh? 
Yeah, if you're going to embrace that approach and try a food trial. So um, what that basically means is once we get your baby on a special diet, we can't add in other foodstuffs because it just negates the whole effort. Um, so you'll waste time, money, and you'll really get a false sense that it's not working if everyone in the household's not on board. So that would be something I'd make sure everyone's ready to embrace. And if you can do it, it's a great thing. And, um, you know, food is medicine in some cases. And I would definitely say that might be the situation there. Now, going back to the surgery, um, there's different ear surgeries. The lateral ear opening is the simpler approach. And it's not something I'd say is horribly uncomfortable for the pet once they get past that surgery. It can be a wonderful, um, kind of almost a liberating feeling to have good, good feeling ears. There's more advanced surgeries. Lateral ear canal resection is the form of Lateral words. ear canal resection. Refraction. Resection. Oh. Like cutting away, you resect it. There are more difficult surgeries where the whole ear canal is taken out. I'm not talking about that. That is a more radical end-stage surgery, so that's not what we're talking about. Now, I'll agree that it does change the appearance, this lateral ear canal canal resection. Um, but if it's a therapy that um, helps your pet, um, I think it's just a matter of getting used to a different look. And all we're talking is about a strip about, you know, a centimeter and a half wide by maybe four centimeters that's going to look different on the ear. Um, so I've done it on a lot of breeds that um, aren't typical ear infection dogs like poodles. And um, it helps if the ears are flopped because you don't see it as much. But in a prick ear or an erect ear dog, um, there's no reason that you can't get used to it. It's really not that unsettling. And um, you know it can really have its place, especially in the Sharpe breed. So I'd consider that. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully right. that's of some help for you. And uh, gosh, those ear infections—they are a booger to deal with. So um, I feel your pain here, Jeff. And hopefully that could give you some help. This is Dr. Debbie at Animal Radio. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. And just like their owners, you know, our pets get older, their joints stiffen up, jumping for joy, not as easy as it used to be. And that's just me. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from Vetra Science help to support joint health in your pet. And we thank you, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Alan Cable, hope you're doing well. And now for your listening pleasure, a baby and a husky imitating each other. You know, a big consideration for most folks when they go out to get a new dog are the kids. So I'm going to tell you which breeds experts say are the best with kids. And number five, the durable bulldog. He's got a sweet disposition and he tires out real easily. And number four, a breed that seems to be disappearing. You don't see very many anymore, maybe because they're so energetic and they need so much exercise. The Iris Setter, one of my personal favorites. These guys are fun-loving comedians. They're really sweet dogs. But again, they need tons of exercise. The top three coming up after the Husky and the Baby go out at imitation each other again. Reminds me of that movie Ted with Mark Wahlberg. At number three on the list of best dogs to get when you have kids, the Poodle. They're loyal, tolerant, and they shed very little. So they're a really good dog to get if your child might have allergies. Again, though, despite what Joey Villani says, research shows that dogs can be embarrassed. So please don't make your Poodle look like Lady Gaga. We're counting down the top breeds that are great with kids. At number two on the list, the Labrador Retriever. These dogs are loyal, protective, and they love to play. They also come in three colors, white, 
white, black, and brown. And the number one best dog to get if you have kids, according to the experts, the Golden Retriever. Golden Retrievers are very loyal and patient dogs. You know how little kids are, and Goldens will put up with a lot. But it's still very important to remember, no matter what kind of dog you have, and no matter how sweet and loving he is, never leave your dog alone with your child. Your dog might not mean to hurt your child, but because he's so much bigger, it could easily happen. Thank you, baby and husky. This is Animal Radio, baby. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Oh, admit it. You're one of those people. Cat dictates where you sleep in your bed because you don't want to wake them. Yeah, sure, the cat and the dog both sleep exactly where you'd like to sleep. And sure, you get no sleep, but you're not bitter because you love those animals dearly. Yes, you don't dare disturb them. It's Animal Radio, one 405 8405 If you're like me, bitter because... I mean, not bitter because the animals can sleep anywhere in your bed. Then you're listening Truth to the... Truth comes out here, Hal. It right comes radio out now. show. Yes. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm just laughing at that because, yeah, my cat dictates where I sleep when I go home. Well, you, you'll be like a pretzel, won't you, in bed? Oh, yeah. And I'm always reminded when I was younger, I heard a story about Buddha and how he was late for a meeting because he wouldn't disturb a cat that was sleeping on his robe. So he had an ape cut the robe around the cat. Oh, my God. Oh, I love it. That's a great story. Look that one up, Guido. I want to share that with the kids. How can we help you today, Brian? Well, I had called a while ago about uh, my cat, and uh, the thing is, I drive a truck for a living, and you guys were really awesome. You actually sent a book to my ex-girlfriend, who my cat is living with, um, and it's been really helpful to her, and she really appreciates it, you know, and understanding cats, because she's never been around any, so that was really great. Good. Well, great. Um, But my question is this. I drive a truck for a living, and my cat's an older cat, and she hates to be in any vehicle, and I just don't want to put her through the trauma of getting used to being in the truck. So Mm. I was thinking of getting Mm -hmm. a kitten, but I was wondering if there was any advice you had on getting a cat used to riding in a truck. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Part of that is actually going to become part of your kitten training, and we kind of you know, scratch our head we don't really train kittens do we um dogs we do cr- uh, train as puppies but kittens you basically are going to make her sensitized to this kind of travel so litter box habits that comes easy you don't have to train that but what we'll do for training uh, for travel is we're going to start very simple we're going to start first off with um now i got to ask you first of all do you want her having free room of the cab or are you going to actually have her in kind of a confined little area Nope, nope, free free roam. You know, the old thing, you know, dogs have owners, cats have a staff, and okay. I've always, the cat gets free roam, and he runs, <laughs> she'll run the truck, pretty much. <laughs> well, 
basically we're going to actually, it helps if we have a home base that we can acclimate her to. So if you have a cat bed that we can get her used to, we're going to try to ask her to try to get comfortable in that when we start training her for the car. So basically that will be her favorite spot. You're going to treat her there. You're going to give her yummies. You're going to give her love in that place. And then you're going to take that with you into the cab. And you might start even with a smaller vehicle, so uh, it's easier to just do short little bouts. But basically we're going to do just starting up the engine, getting it warm, making the sounds, and maybe just driving just a little bit, going forward and back, and that's it. We treat, we reward during that, and that's our exposure. We build up on that positive experience. Because it's a short trip, it's not likely to be scary for her. And because you're there and you're giving her yummies, it's going to be a good association. So you're going to have to gradually build up to that from just kind of going into the vehicle to going a little bit further to making short little trips or errands. So that's how we basically build up to a cat that is going to like to travel. And um, the other thing that really helps is that if you're picking out a kitten, we're going to look for one that's, you know, we kind of talk about this every week, it seems, the cat dog. You're going to look for one that's a little bit more laid back, that's not as um, apt to startle with uh, sounds or um, un- uncertain things. Having a personality for travel helps tremendously. We can only train so far. So we want to make sure that we kind of work on both picking the right kind of kitty and um, gradual uh, exposure to the, the travel experience. So, so laid back is like an indicator of a personality that will enjoy the travel and all that? Mostly what it what it indicates is that we'll be less apt to be startled by other vehicles flying by, uh, horns, noises, things that we don't think about as we're traveling, but can be very scary for a pet that's not exposed to that. And actually, that's probably step two of your training for travel, is that we want low-level noises that you're going to experience on the road, and the kitty's going to be exposed to, and we want to make that something that becomes part of the training, too. So you know, simply having an audio tape of some of these things and while you're just practicing these uh, short little travel bouts having that playing and having it being non-scary because uh, you know some pets really get freaked out when those other big rigs go flying by oh yeah so, uh, yeah okay excellent so, yeah. Well, i really appreciate your help and advice you guys have been oh, my great pleasure. I, I learn everything every week when, when i listen i know i listen every week and i just it's amazing it's, uh, <laughs> if i miss a week i just feel totally out of the loop that's what I Well, you know, my, my ex-girlfriend, I had a little real quick story if I can. Uh, yes. Last time I was home to visit, she has a Pomeranian mm-hmm. um, that I call Rat Dog. Um, and <laughs> she she told me, that she says, you need to talk to your friends on Animal Radio because they would not like what you do to her. Oh, well, what, do you, what do you do? Well, well years, when, when we first got together, I mean, she had hardwood floors. And, of course, you got to wing the Pomeranian across the hardwood floors. And uh, we would, I would set up her toys like a little bowling thing, and I call it Pomeranian bowling. Sure. <laughs> and when I come over now to visit my cat when I go through Columbus, her dog will bring her toys out and set them up. Uh, well, there's actually a Pomeranian bowling league. So that, uh, <laughs> well, I, was, I, mean, I was thinking of getting into one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're but just joking, ladies much. and gentlemen. I just want to point it out right Don't now. Don't do we're just this joking. at home. Yes. <laughs> Again, thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys and the help. Thank you for calling. one 405 8405 to talk to any one of the gang. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 
Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band, and forever you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. All we've heard for so long is how great pets are for you and your health. Well, now, there is a new report out in the British Medical Journal, BMJ, uh, that says having a pet does not, does not seem to slow down the aging process for humans after all. This new research shows that pet owners actually appear to have the same physical and psychological health levels as non-pet owners, according to the experts who conducted this experiment at University College London and Cambridge University. Researchers analyzed figures for more than 8,700 adults, with an average age being 67. A third of participants owned a pet, with 18% of those having a dog, 12% had a cat, 3% had, you know, like a, a bird or a reptile or something. And then after taking into account variables such as smoking and drinking, the researchers found no evidence of any strong association of any type of pet ownership with things like walking speed, lung function, uh, a person's grip strength or balance, blood inflammatory markers, memory or even depression. And they say these results held true after separate studies of male and female pet owners as well. But they add, this was an observational study, so no firm conclusions can be drawn about the cause and effect, but they are sure that there are no health benefits. You see, I always so, thought that that you would get older from having the pets because they keep you up all night long. They're they're uh, for my cat who's no. visiting me at three in the morning. I'm getting less sleep, and uh, that's aging me pretty fast. Hal does make a good point. I mean, my pets, I think, have kept me up at night more than anything else ever. I don't know. Maybe you guys ought to try a bulldog or a pit bull because they seem to sleep through the night. Okay. Hey, if you got a puppy this year or maybe you're considering adding another dog to your family in the new year, here is the list of the most popular dog names for 2017. The top five male dog names. Number five is Jack. Buddy is number four on that list. Cooper is third. Then Charlie at number two. And the number one male dog name again this year is, I will let Hal say it because you know what it is. It's Max. Yeah. And it has been for what, at least the last five years? <laughs> A long time. Yeah. But uh, the top female dog names, top five, Lola is at number five, Luna is fourth, then Daisy at number three, Lucy is number two on the list, so I have three L's there, and then once again is... How? Uh, Bella. Bella is number one once Bella? again. Most Bella. popular name for girl dogs in the country. Wow. But what are, here you can guess if you want, the up and coming names or, or maybe those that are just popular for the moment due to some, you know, movie or something like that out there. 
They say the Netflix series Stranger Things definitely had some influence on pet names in the year with the name Eleven up 166%. (laughs) Star Wars names like Rey and Leia are up 70% this year. And in another category, nostalgic names inspired by uh, shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, also the Spice Girls and Harry Potter made up only 3% of all dog names in 2017. But the name, nostalgic name, Nirvana was up 171%. Here, Nirvana. Here, Nirvana. I know, that well, sounds well, kind of weird, say, doesn't it? Did, did you say the name Eleven? Yeah, from, from, Eleven. from Stranger Things. Did you see Stranger Things? You see, if you haven't seen Stranger yeah. Things, you wouldn't get it. But Eleven right. was... Right, Stranger Things, I had to look it up. It's a, a sci-fi kind of horror show. Yeah. We watched it. It's on Netflix, by the way. And then the main character is named Eleven. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, I get it, totally. Yeah. Okay. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime you need it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And uh, we're moments away from the show ending, and we're going to go take our dogs for a walk. They know exactly when the show's going to end. <laughs> they know exactly <laughs> they when their do. walk's coming. They do. Yes, they do. You uh, walk. There's a little place you walk called the Cloisters, which is a path. Yeah. And you, a... you don't leash your dog when you do that. Your dog uh, is off-leash. Is that correct? You know, I walk. I'm a dog walker. I walk other dogs. I keep on a leash, but mine I can trust to take off the leash. Really? And she, yes, and she stays. She'll wander around, but if anybody approaches or any dog approaches, she's right by my side and walks immediately by my side until they pass us. Does anybody freak out? I mean, do you, do people come your direction and say, "Oh, that dog's not on a leash"? What? You know what? She's only nine pounds, so no, people aren't frightened or fearful. But um, I have seen other dogs now that. I'm fearful of that aren't on leash that approach me. And I'm fearful sometimes for my dog. We welcome to the show Stephanie Coleman. She's the manager of the puppy department at the Guide Dogs of America. I didn't know that they had. Uh, <gasps> what a. Oh, I love that department. job. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank that, you for having me. That is a pretty cool job that you have there. Uh, dealing it with, is a pretty good job. <laughs> so, what is it exactly that you do there with the puppies? So I am responsible for uh, recruiting all of the wonderful volunteers uh, who raise these puppies for us. We, we uh, utilize volunteer foster homes to raise the puppies for the first 18 months of their lives before they come back into formal training or sort of go off to guide dog college, as we like to call it. Uh, so I am the lucky person who gets to recruit and then support those wonderful volunteers throughout their puppy raising experience. So you deal with a lot of behavior issues I'd like to know if uh, you can tell us a little bit about how to deal with a dog that is off-leash that's, uh, that's approaching you or approaching you and your dog. And, that's a scary situation. Yeah, especially if they're aggressive. Absolutely. I mean, I will say, you know, I've, I've been a professional dog trainer for 15-plus years, and certainly when I'm out with my own dogs, particularly if I'm someplace and I have my dogs on leash, seeing somebody's loose dog coming toward us, whether it's, you know, with a a person or just a a loose dog sort of roaming at large it always gives me pause for concern because you you don't know you know necessarily if the dog's coming up to be friendly or coming up to start problems and the other issue there is 
it's not always about the other dog, right? Sometimes you're with dogs who don't appreciate <laughs> dogs they don't know sort of invading their personal safety uh-huh. bubble. Um, so, yeah, it's it can be a, a tough thing. And if you have a dog that you know is uncomfortable with that, it's very difficult to not yeah, panic a, a little bit, which, of course, you know, always always makes that makes that worse so the first thing i tend to suggest for people is whenever you're out with your dog whether your dog is friendly whether your dog's working through some through some challenges whatever the case may be take advantage of that time and and pay attention to your dog and it's tough because we always have cell phones and so many people you see out with their dog but they're really paying more attention to their their phone so being proactive and being aware of your surroundings is probably the best piece of advice i can give people because then you know you know, you can maybe spot potential trouble up ahead, and you're less likely to feel like you're suddenly being ambushed. Well, you know, I tried to avoid places. I've learned in my neighborhood where I walk, where these dogs are, and I avoid them. But there have been places where I was surprised, where I'm walking by a bush, and this dog, his actually name is Nitro, and he is explosive, uh-huh. came exploding out from the bush two feet from me with no time for me to react, except for, I have to admit, I screamed. I had, yes, sure. I had two pugs and I, I didn't have time to get between them or to pick my pugs up or to do anything i just i screamed now stephanie i'm thinking that her, <laughs> her reaction to this was probably not the right reaction <laughs> well i mean at the end of the day we're all only human and when something literally jumps out and catches us off guard like that we are probably gonna gonna react with some sort of a scream or a whoa or some some sort of startle what i tend to do in that situation i like to raise my own dogs to believe that when we're out together it's my job to keep the pack safe. I don't necessarily want my dogs to feel like they have to carry that burden on their shoulders. Uh-huh. So if I have some sort of maybe less than perfect reaction, like, oh, oh my gosh, or I scream, I do often carry treats on walks. And the first thing I'll do is feed my own dog, right? Like mom screams, but wait, here's a treat. <laughs> Let's not all panic. <laughs> you know, I don't want my dogs to necessarily go, wow, it must be really bad. Listen to her. She's freaking out. Um, so I do always try to reinforce my dogs just for remaining calm or, or not joining in if I'm having a more reactive moment because somebody's caught me off guard. So remaining calm is, is key. What about getting in between the dog? I, I hear two different schools of thought on this. I've done that. Yeah? Well, yes. I, I would think that that could be dangerous. It's my job to protect these dogs. They're in my care. Right. I mean, I will, I'll certainly, if I see a dog coming, um, I mean, I totally agree avoiding confrontation is always your your best bet so if i see a dog up ahead i'll turn around and walk walk the opposite way um if a dog keeps approaching you know and and maybe i'm trapped and i I don't have a great escape exit at that moment i will absolutely put myself between my dog and the the unknown dog and i'll sort of be saying you know hey get back go on um if i have treats with me i'll try tossing a hand handful of treats and that'll often get the the dog who's coming up in your space to sort of go oh cookies you know and turn and now while he's distracted run you know snorting up scooby snacks that gives you your your few seconds to to turn and bail but you know i'll carry some sort of deterrent spray and it's citronella in a can so it's certainly not harmful to the dog that's you know rapidly approaching and and about to sort of invade your space but it's unpleasant enough that it will back most dogs off we are with stephanie coleman she's the manager of the puppy department at the guide dogs of america She's telling us what to do just in case we have a negative dog encounter when we're walking our dogs. Stick around. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. 
With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. It is Animal Radio, and we are with Stephanie Coleman. She's the manager of the puppy department at the Guide Dogs of America. And we're talking about the things you need to do if you encounter an off-leash or a stray dog when you're walking your own dog and you're not too sure about it. She has suggested we carry around citronella spray, like a little spray gun, just in case you need to defend yourself from the dog, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I've used it for very effectively is to let the owners of the off-leash dogs know that I really don't want their dog to come up in my space. So because you'll, you'll often get the dog, the off-leash dog that comes up and, you know, how, however many yards behind him you have the, mm-hmm. the owner holding the leash with no dog on it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's okay. He's friendly. <laughs> yes. And again, that's great that that dog's friendly, but sometimes you're with a dog who maybe isn't or a dog who doesn't want that, you know, unknown dog coming up in his space. So I've often been, you know, in the uncomfortable position of having to say, right, I know, but could you just call your dog? No, no, really, he's friendly. And if I've asked a couple of times and I'm not getting the response I need, I hold out my can. No, really, please call your dog. Um, you know, and that tends to help people go, oh, wow, okay, no, she's serious. I really need to call my dog. <laughs> that probably doesn't help you make friends on the trail, does it? <laughs> well, you know, again, my as you pointed out, my responsibility is to keep my dog safe and to not put my dog in a in a situation where maybe she needs to react unfavorably because somebody else has let their dog get into, you know, into my dog's personal space and certainly you know if we get close enough on the trail I you know I explain gosh you know I'm sorry but my dog really doesn't like dogs that she doesn't know coming into her space it's just citronella it's not going to hurt your dog you know things things like that I've had people come up to me you know with with, like you say their owners just a few feet behind the dog and they tell me you know when I'm walking my dog oh they're friendly and I look at them and I say mine's not I like the trick where um, and I've done this many times is if you're walking in your own neighborhood and you happen to know who lives where you just kind of walk up to their their front door or head towards that direction, and the the the, the stray dog will kind of just hang around and go, hmm, hmm, I don't really want to go up that way. So I mean, mm-hmm. it gives you time. Absolutely, I've had I've had clients do that one successfully. Um, some of the more creative ones that I, I just love. If it happens to be um, trash day and you have a small dog, I mean, if push comes to shove, I've had people pick up their tiny dog, put the dog inside the trash can and close the lid. I've walked by trucks and I've thought about putting them in the truck bed when a dog approached me. I thought, these two pugs, I can throw them in the back of that truck real quick. Yep. The other thing, too, is if you've had some sort of ambush and it's, you know, it's been a little bit traumatizing for you or for your dog, it's important to try to make sure that the next time you're out, every time you see a dog, you don't initially tense up because all of that tension goes right down the leash and can cause your dog to be concerned even before, you know, potentially anything's happening, um, which is is super hard because if you've had a scary encounter on a walk, you see a dog, you're anticipating that it could go, go sideways again, but always trying to remain calm, super important, not choking up on your leash, you know, that we, we tend to have a tendency of tightening up on that leash and drawing the dog into us as close and as tight as possible but that tight leash really is almost saying, you know, danger, danger, Batman. So trying to maintain that that loose leash is super important. And I work really hard to try to teach the dog that in the presence of another dog, I will be more fun. I will pay better. So then if you're <laughs> able to do that consistently, and it does take some practice, 
And depending on how interested in other dogs, you know, the dogs that you're working with happens to be, it can take a while to get this done. But when it's done effectively, then the presence of another dog out in the world almost becomes a cue for the dog you're with to look to you and say, I hear a dog. Where's my cookie? <laughs> and if I, if I have a dog that tends to be a little bit reactive towards other dogs, I would rather put in the, the effort to teach that alternative behavior, I hear a dog, where's a cookie, than to have to manage or, or strong arm a dog because he's being so reactive every time he sees dogs mm-hmm. out in space. A lot, a lot of information yeah. there. I have so many more questions, but we're so out of time, so we're going to have to do this again sometime. Stephanie Coleman, she is the manager of the puppy department at the Guide Dogs of America, and you can learn more over at guidedogsofamerica.org, and of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me. Have a great afternoon. You too. Smell some puppy breath for us. Okay, it's about time for us to get on out of here. Don't forget you can get your fix over at animalradio.pet. And before we leave, since it is the last show of the year, we're going to play you some outtakes from Animal Radio. See you next week. Happy New Year. Wishing everybody the best in 2018. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. It's a young and the restless weekend. We've had and are having three of the... Die. 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 Brain fart. Don't be mean to me or making me feel bad. Okay. Oh, I would okay, never do that. that. That voice is too hot. So it's taking a strange twist. Oh my god, my ears are ringing. So I can smell dog poop before anybody else. I have a bionic nose. Yeah, wow, that's pretty talented. I won't judge you. What is this stunad? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> Was that Stop Italian? leaving your pets in the car. Hey, we're an equal opportunity offender here at Animal Radio. <laughs> we haven't offended you yet. Give us we time. Will. <laughs> we will. Yes. Just give us a little bit. I realize that, but you know what? At least I'm not talking about cutting off testicles, so... <laughs> Thankfully. No, that'll be in five minutes. Yeah. Hi, this is Michelle Stafford from The Young and the Restless on Radio... Uh, I'm sorry, Radio Animal... Animal radio. And, oh my God. Unless you're dyslexic. So um, wait, I want to go wow. back to the hermaphrodite. Do you spay or neuter that animal? Oh, that is an ugly creature. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but isn't it, it cute, ugly? It's 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 something you would look, keep looking at. It's just you're trying to figure out what the heck you are looking at. Hi, this is Richard Karn from Home Improvement and Air Buddies, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Now remember. <laughs> spay and neuter uh, yeah okay now remember to spray and neuter your dogs kin folks said jed move away from there california is the place you want to be so they lettered up the truck and they moved to beverly <laughs> oh boy <laughs> this is animal, animal. radio network, network.